Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Weather TradeNet creates data analysis tools powered by weather data for operational business purposes. Founder and CEO Elena Maximovich launched the online platform to differentiate, quantify, and report on the financial vulnerability induced by weather volatility in changing climate scenarios. The platform's research regarding weather shock resilience and climate change adaptation projects demonstrates bankable investment opportunities. And Weather Trade Net's proprietary climate risk indices are adapted to businesses' needs in the context of TCFD reporting, climate risk audit, and parametric insurance underwriting. Maximovich joins us today in the podcast program episode to explain how Weather Trade Net works. Hello, Elena, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Hello, Paul, and uh, thank you for organizing the Sustainable Finance Podcast. I'm delighted to be here, and I'm a big, big fan of your uh, podcast. I'm uh, listening every every episode. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for that uh, compliment. We'll pass that on to all of our other listeners. And first of all, uh, please tell us how Weather Trade Net supplies the quantitative assessment of weather-induced financial risk to support energy and commodity trading markets. Thank you. Yes, so a lot of um, uh, fancy words, basically, uh, to uh, to do simple uh, in quite uh, um, clear uh, uh, financial analytics. Um, so the uh, the companies and the households and the so banks and insurance they need to understand what are the climate risks. Uh, when you are buying your house, uh, when you uh, so the, the easy is a weather forecast for tomorrow, right? The easy understanding is um, vacation planning, but uh, there are also similar decisions in in um, uh, in business uh, uh, decisions. So so similar uh, similar approach. Uh, uh, if I'm buying the house, is it the the area where there are wildfires? If I'm Investing in uh, Coca-Cola or in Nestle. Uh, uh, what about their supply chain? Uh, their uh, did they think about climate change? So, so these are the very, uh, you know, very clear questions for uh, uh, for companies. They need uh, they need support. They need climate data. Uh, they need quality data. Uh, and we uh, we talk to companies to understand. Uh, their supply chains uh, to understand the, their goals, what uh, what they are trying to master, and we provide very uh, tailored um, data types. For example, for Nestle uh, companies need, um, for example, cacao uh, cacao um, assessment uh, in future and during coming five years, uh, whether they should keep the suppliers they already have or. Uh, should they maybe consider other locations? So very, you know, very straightforward questions. Okay, great. Well, that's a good start. And now I'm going to ask you to walk us through the process for an asset manager or corporate client to use Weather Trade Net's portfolio scan online digital platform to evaluate the climate risk exposure for each individual asset 
and also for the entire portfolio. Thank you. Yes, this is so. This is the the the, the kitchen, right? So this is where the most important happens. Uh, so. Um, as you know, uh, floods and droughts and wildfires, they are very local events. So it's very important to really to target the, the location, the coordinates uh, in, on the earth. Uh, so, uh, the, these, uh, so these events such as floods and wildfires, they, they repeat. Uh, they, uh, uh, they repeat uh, every two years, five years, uh, 20 years. So this evaluation, uh, how frequent these events happen and the, how massive they are, this is the, the, the core. This is the most, uh, uh, let's say, the, the most technical uh, part. So uh, companies, they uh, know where the business are located. Uh, they know where their factories are. They know where their suppliers are. Uh, so we provide this risk assessment. Uh, so uh, every two years, every five years, every 10 years, um, how much money companies are losing different time steps uh, due to uh, climate hazards. So this, these are very important um, numbers for companies to evaluate the, um, their, their risks uh, to um, decide whether they keep uh, or whether they change uh, their suppliers. Okay, so you've talked a little bit now about over periods of time, uh, several years at least, uh, tell us what you mean by the term now casting for precision agriculture and wind power supply forecasts. Yeah, so um, in the uh, weather data, there are different time scales uh, for, uh, uh, for risk assessment. Uh, so the, the very, uh, let's say, well-known format for weather data is weather forecast, where it's typically one day or five days ahead. There is a very short uh, forecast, for, which is called nowcasting. And then there is a very long uh, uh, forecast, which is for uh, seasonal or um, annual or uh, multi-year uh, forecast. Uh, so nowcasting is used typically for uh, wind power, for example, or solar power suppliers. So those who, um, who are selling or reselling the energy, this is their timescale. Uh, so uh, weather trade networks um, on a longer time scale. So we evaluate the risks uh, in very uh, high uh, time resolution, but over very long period. Uh, why we need a very long period? Because uh, risk assessment by definition requires big, big data. So we need to capture all possibilities, um, all possible events ever, uh, which ever happen. So, so this we, we take uh, very um, fine spatial resolution with very long periods, which means uh, 70 years, uh, 150 years. To have these um, fantastic uh, long uh, periods, uh, we use to, to get this uh, period um, predictive modeling. And uh, for predictive modeling, how we, what we inject inside are the climate um, model uh, products, uh, which is which is very similar to weather data, but it's running for much longer, much longer periods. So we use this climate product, um, temperatures and precipitations through a range of models. Uh, we combine these temperatures, precipitations with the satellite data. We reconstruct the data backwards and forward. And this is how we collect the, the high, like very, very long, uh, you know, high resolution and very long records. And this is where um, the, the technical um, 
the technical part is the most uh, uh, solid, let's say, this is this long term, long term records for uh, for risk assessment, because risk, as you know, it's binary. So it's no, 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 no. Yes. So it's a it's a risk don't happen. If, if something happens every day, it's not the risk, right, because you're preparing. So risk is it's a binary event. So it's, it's, it's like nothing, 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 nothing. Yes. Nothing, nothing. So to capture those. Uh, yes. With you need really a long, a long, uh, a long period, longer time frames, right, that you have to evaluate. Yeah. So yeah. Elena, what does it mean to evaluate the impact of physical climate risks, and how does that work? Is that part of the process that you were just describing, or is it something else? So the very uh, the very uh, simple example. So my my colleague uh, Falmer, he he was on vacation in Norway this uh, Christmas, and there was a huge snowfall. They had to capture the they had to catch their uh, ferry. Uh, to go back from Norway to Netherlands, and and this was the day when there was a snowfall. And uh, unfortunately, there were many cars stuck in the snow and accidents. Now everybody has to repair their cars, and this is the physical climate risk. So physical climate risk is is the uh, financial uh, impact. Uh, it's a impact of climate uh, events, perils on uh, business, on um, economic activity, on um, supply chain. So delays, delays mean money, right? So, so the, this is the physical climate. So this was a very simple example, but um, so physical climate risk is also the, uh, the, the cost of uh, uh, properties. So the, uh, the properties uh, in um, highly exposed areas, uh, they uh, tend to devaluate. Um, so, so the, um, for example, some properties become uninsurable because they're in the areas where insurance companies no longer provide. Um, flood, flood or wildfire insurance. So this is the th these are the examples of physical climate risk. How to evaluate them? Uh, it's um, uh, it's similar to regression. Uh, so regression uh, in the, let's say in, the, in this simple in the perfect world, uh, if you had uh, long time series of floods and long time series of uh, pricings uh, of losses or damages, uh, there could be a regression. But in our case, uh, the time series for um, for risk for losses are never long enough because uh, the, this economic information started to be collected quite recently, actually, uh, only since uh, 15, 20 years. Uh, uh, for insurance data, there is only maybe 10 years of data available for um, for, for this type of for flood and wildfire um, perils. Uh, for uh, economic data, for example, for renewable energies, uh, they exist since 20 years. So again, the records are very short. So uh, the um, the physical risk assessment, the impact assessment, is evaluated for those events uh, which are documented, uh, which, uh, which are documented where you really see the link between uh, the event and the loss. This uh, the and this can be further um, remodeled. Uh, so, for example, if we have the um, the information about wildfires in the past over 10 years, we can reconstruct backwards uh, this information also. So if the world was frozen, let's say is at the state as it is now, uh, economic activities, if it was the same as it is now, how, 
uh, how many properties would be impacted over 70 years, for example, in the past, having the climate conditions um, we had. So this, this, uh, this is the optics. Okay, so now it, this involves looking backward, but it also involves looking forward, right? Uh, to make a, f a forward-looking risk assessment for climate perils like floods. How do you know in advance, or how do you go about identifying uh, the possibilities in advance, how many floods will happen, let's say, in the state of Pennsylvania, for example, uh, over a given period of time, since much of the data is only recently available for these types of risks? How do you, how do you go there? Yes, exactly. This is uh, the, the forward looking is the, uh, uh, is very challenging. Uh, it's uh, similar to uh, weather forecast a challenge that uh, uh, we um, we run the forecast with some known parameters, but they are always unknown. And uh, the uncertainty of this uh, forecast is uh, is high. So the uh, the current scientific approach for forward looking uh, risk modeling uh, and the uh, climate modeling is. Uh, um, so first of all, uh, it's multi-model approach. So the uh, the national institutions, uh, the uh, so Hadley Center uh, in France, it's um, um, uh, it, it's called Institute uh, Pierre Simon Laplace. So so there are about 120 climate models produced by uh, national research institutions. They run on supercomputers. They run models which are very similar to weather forecast models. Uh, they, but they run longer. They they run much more. So so they run. They continue running after seven days. So they run for hundred years, uh, and they reproduce different versions of climate. They reproduce different situations. And this is uh, uh, this is the baseline for uh, forward-looking um, risk assessment. And by using not only one model but using a range of models. It gives you a better view of uh, what what is uh, possible. Uh, there's no one better model than the other, so there's no particular way. To, uh, there's no reason to say that uh, French model or German model or American is better. Uh, and uh, uh, the reality uh, should be somewhere in the middle. Uh, so the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. We uh, we, we use the yes the, the tools available today. The, uh, so the good news so the climate uh, science is developing as fast as the technology. So so the as you see uh, the the current development of technologies is is booming in the in climate uh, science and climate modeling. Um, the these achievements they are introduced uh, uh, very very actively. So so this. This results in much higher resolution, much more processes can be modeled, uh, much more details uh, can be uh, absorbed within the models and considered. So, so uh, by, by including more physics, uh, the modeling should, should become better and better every year. You know, that's a, a very interesting statement. I am from New Orleans, Louisiana, where Hurricane Katrina flooded big, large parts of the city in 2005. That climate event 
had been predicted for many, many years before that. And this is in a time before we had the type of data gathering and analysis available that we have today. But even back then, as you were saying, there had been predictions that that kind of an event would eventually happen in that location. And it did. So... Um, Tell us the, catastrophe. This was a huge, massive, massive catastrophe. Yes, it it was, and 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 it was predicted essentially from the past uh, by knowledgeable people in climate science at that point in time. So, you you are a climate scientist with a PhD in geophysics. Now, what attracted you to climate science as a field of expertise? And how do you see climate adaptation contributing to economic resilience over the next couple of decades? Several questions in one. <laughs> so, yeah, I like I like this one. Um, please please remind me if I forget uh, something. Uh, for, uh, the uh, just to mention, so I was uh, on my I graduated my fourth year of studies, uh, the 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 year when uh, Hurricane Katrina happened, and uh, just at that moment I had my internship at ABC Six uh, TV channel in Providence. And my mission was to uh, help uh, Mark Shiros and uh, Fred Campania, the, uh, the, the presenters uh, of the channel, uh, to help them make forecasts. And uh, this was a really exceptional year in terms of hurricanes. We, uh, we uh, went to the University of Rhode Island to um, meet uh, uh, Isaac Guinness, uh, the, uh, one of the leading professors in hurricane modeling. Uh, the, just uh, at the same time, uh, so, so I had a, my internship the, the right year. Uh, the the modeling, modeling and the forecasting uh, hurricanes and uh, forecasting weather on the TV channel. So whatever we uh, we uh, discover in the, uh, climate change about climate change. So we first of all, scientists they always verify. So it's it's never never happens that. Uh, we just, you know, calculated something once uh, and we launch it, uh, you know, in the journal, right? So, so it's always verified, different scientists verify rereads or their editors' journals. So uh, this um, uh, information is very useful for climate adaptation resilience uh, because it gives uh, the insight about the all the possibilities. So this, uh, every event that happens, um, reviews the the knowledge right so the after hurricane katrina uh, a lot of um, adaptation resilience projects were reviewed in terms of uh, thresholds uh, the 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 uh, the bar was uh, they rose the the, the bar uh, for uh, what is feasible what is possible it was really uh, reconsidered uh, unfortunately uh, for many uh, resilience and adaptation projects uh, we are waiting f first the, 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 the worst to happen before we start uh, doing something. So this, uh, this is unfortunately how things go. So uh, floods in um, Pakistan, like this year, uh, they do happen. And this was not the worst flood that Pakistan had during the last 70 years. Uh, but uh, still, uh, this is the situation we, we see now. This is, uh, so in adaptation, 
And resilience, uh, what is a um, uh, breaking point is the finance uh, for adaptation resilience. Right now, it, 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 the governmental funds are sponsoring this adaptation resilience project. Uh, and there's very few, um, there, there are very few examples of uh, subsidies for insurance, for example. Uh, so, so typically it's either the commercial insurance Either uh, if governments, they had the funding, uh, they, they built a flood protection, um, flood defenses. Uh, the, um, the new fi finance, uh, the, so the um, municipality uh, adaptation bonds, uh, the, uh, the green bonds and the um, carbon credits, they could be channeled towards this resilience and mitigation adaptation program. So the private funding, uh, should be also used for this project. So uh, one of the challenges for um, United Nations projects for uh, climate finance uh, experts to find the um, technical and financial uh, solutions, how uh, the private finance could be oriented towards this project. Because right now it works very well for carbon um, reduction. So for carbon reduction, it's a, the, the, the channeling on the finance it works very well. N now there is a new step is a channeling the, the finance towards adaptation resilience. Um, we bring, so this is our role in this, um, uh, so the, the, this project also helps to um, evaluate financially uh, the impact of action and non-action. So this is very important argument also for channeling the funding uh, towards adaptation resilience projects is uh, explaining that uh, if there is no action, these are the losses and damages. These are insurable losses and damages and uninsurable losses and damages. And if there is resilience, if there is a uh, investment, uh, how the numbers compare, how the new numbers compare to this uh, uh, quantitative assessment is a very big piece of the argumentation for um, adaptation and resilience, uh, new new project for making new project. And um, it's um, so technical, scientific and financial. So it's all, all together. All of those rolled up together. Well, listen, we're just about out of time for today's program, Elena. But I did want to mention specifically that the Weather Trade Net has won several recent awards as a technology startup. We don't have time to have you d describe all of those awards, but can you tell us, uh, our audience, why you chose to enter those competitions? And then maybe you can send us links to the stories uh, that mention your firm as a, a winner of those awards, and we'll attach that to the podcast program. Thank you. Yes, uh, with pleasure. I will uh, share the links and uh, happy to answer further the, the, the questions and uh, happy to, to share experience and to contribute to uh, meaningful and uh, scientific and adaptation projects. Thank you for having me today. Okay, well, Elena, where online can Sustainable Finance Podcast followers learn more about the Weather Trade Net, and how can they get in touch with you about the topics that we've discussed in today's program? Thank you. So we have a website, weathertrade.net. Uh, also, we have a YouTube channel for Weather Trade Net, uh, where uh, we um, record the, the very short demos for um, for the platform that we launched, but also uh, on hot topics. So the, 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 this uh, resilience and adaptation and uh, impact assessment um, solutions. Uh, 
please contact me at elena.maximovich uh, at weathertrade.net uh, and uh, LinkedIn. Terrific. Well, listen, I visited your website and it's fascinating to go in and zero in on the place where you live and work or where I live and work and get the, the information that you have. It's, it's quite extensive. I'm very impressed with the way that that part of the, the platform works. So thanks again to Elena Max. Oh, go ahead. Short, very short, very short that we are preparing open data also for uh, Google Earth. So this okay. is uh, this will be an important piece uh, so that uh, everything I was telling you during half an hour, it can become open data. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thanks again to Elena Maximovich, CEO and lead founder at Weather TradeNet. And to our listeners, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Oh,